This scripture reading and the following address were part of the YouTube streamed worship service from St Paul's Lutheran Church, Box Hill, Victoria, Australia, on September 18, 2022. For more information, visit www.stpaulsboxhill.org.au. second reading comes from 1 Timothy chapter 2. First of all then, I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions and thanksgivings should be made for everyone, for kings and for all who are in high positions, so that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and dignity. This is right and is acceptable on the sight of God, our Saviour, who desires everyone to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God. There is also one mediator between God and humankind, Jesus Christ, himself human, who gave himself as a ransom for all. This was attested at the right time. For this I was appointed a herald and an apostle. I am telling you the truth, I am not lying a teacher of the Gentiles in faith and truth. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I'm covering all, this, all the readings for today. In Timothy's letter, we've heard, Timothy, Paul encourages Timothy that the church would pray for world leaders with the hope that Christians would then live peaceful and quiet lives. So our theme for the sermon is fair trade and quiet living. Quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. Certainly in places where leaders are not concerned for justice, where they make unfair laws against Christians and other sectors of society, there can be no peace and quiet. Even more so when they easily make war on their neighbours for personal gain and, and for their own glory. Stealing and destroying people's lives and their livelihood. And we know what's going on in the world and in the Ukraine at the moment. And you ask, for what gain? We also pray for peace and stability in society as new kings take on the mantle of royal titles such as defender of the faith. And Charles has already made that oath. We pray that governments make and uphold good laws, don't we? Limiting violence and corruption, promoting safety and religious freedoms for us to live peaceful, quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. Though outside factors surely impact our lives and our peace significantly, it's our own attitudes and behaviours that can pose even greater risks to our living peacefully and quietly in all godliness and holiness. And one of those factors God is dealing with us today through his word is our attitude towards wealth. Whom are you serving? Is money your master? Is it self or is it God? Our ready acceptance of worldly values of consumerism and pursuit of comforts and wealth accumulation actually robs us of peace 
Our pursuit of happiness at all costs costs us and others dearly. We're supposed to pray for Charles and for other leaders for a, that we can live peaceful lives in all holiness and godliness. But do we really want to live peaceful lives? It doesn't sound too exciting for young people, does it? Do you desire a quiet life? Or see value in living a quiet life? Especially if we are young, but it's not to be equated with living without excitement and adventure or loud celebrations or international travel. A quiet life is one that's free of conflict and dissatisfaction. It's lived in peace before God because of knowing God's peace. It involves being a person of peace, avoiding deliberately offending or provoking or taking advantage of other people. A quiet life isn't lived in blind isolation, but in awareness of how our actions can affect the welfare of those around us and even those beyond our sight. Those farmers in Nicaragua where I get my coffee from. I'd be really upset if I opened the bag and I got the sweepings off the floor. But I should also be equally ashamed and angry if the people that I buy coffee from are not paying the farmers a living wage, treating them fairly. We also should be concerned about the way we use the world's resources today because surely it's going to affect the lives of the next generation, people we don't know yet. Is that fair? The children of the world are saying, no, that's not fair. Amos, in the Old Testament reading, calls, and it's God speaking through Amos, God calling on merchants to act fairly in their business dealings. If we're not sellers or grain of grain or goods, such as coffee, we might feel this call for fairness doesn't apply to us. But I suggest that we should reconsider that because we are all involved in trade and commerce. Not only as consumers, but also as sellers, as people with investments, owners and seekers of property, of profits. Our superannuation funds performance and other investment returns directly finance our future plans for purchases travel and retirement living and shouldn't these investments be ethical and fair Australians investing in housing that they'll never occupy has been transformed has transformed the ideal of a home primarily being a place of shelter for living and for bringing up a family which should be available and achievable to anyone has been turned into a means of wealth accumulation strategy for a few And as a result, less and less people are able to live the dream of home ownership in our country. The ideal of fairness, a fair suck of the sauce bottle, you might like. Or was it Savoy? I'm not too sure. I'm from New Zealand. It's your your saying. (laughs) The ideal of fairness in this country and equal access to our quality life is being forgotten. More and more individuals and families are missing out. We are presented with the culture of pursuing wealth And that's the ideal that's been presented to us in every ad that's on television. Pursuit of life for ourselves. Pursuing wealth with the lie that anyone can do it and that it will bring us happiness. Happiness, perhaps, but often without any consideration for the impact 
on housing affordability, the quality of life of those forced to continue to rent housing at inflated costs, because landlords want greater returns. The prophet Amos was used by God to challenge the corruption that was eating away at the heart of the nation in his time, some 750 years before Christ. He's talking to the people of God. And he denounced those who trample the needy and suppress the poor. And that announcement still is true for today. It applies to us. He challenges us all to live lives in keeping with God's concern for justice and mercy. Consider, does our choice of investments reflect concern for the poor and the environment? Are we consistently ethical in the way that we live and in our use of resources? Can we put wealth and possessions into their rightful place in our lives? It's a struggle, isn't it? And we could just say, well, I didn't know. Well, maybe we should be more responsible and find out where our money is invested, where the coffee and the chocolate and the cashews come from and who's produced them and what living conditions they have. As honest people, we may think that Amos's message is not for us. We may feel anything but rich. If anything, we're the victims of market forces, aren't we? As, as jobs shift overseas and, and as the war in Ukraine causes petrol prices here in Melbourne to skyrocket, we see ourselves as being impacted on rather than being the cause of injustices in the world. But think again. Each of us are likely to be unwitting participants when companies choose to outsource jobs to pay farmers minimal amounts for their produce. And as we seek bargains, we may actually be driving the underpayment and abuse of workers, even children, into slavery. Knowingly or unknowingly, we live in a world where we are interconnected. Our purchases, our superannuation, our direct investments all have an impact in far-flung places and not always to the benefit of workers or the environment. And so Amos, Amos challenges us to use our influence well. Be informed. Be fair. And that includes our purchasing power so that we don't exploit. In the third reading, Jesus reminds us by his parable of the, in the Gospel of Luke to take all our responsibilities seriously. For as the world is watching us, our reputation, the truth of our message is often judged on the way that we live. And that includes what we buy and what holds our attention in this world. So wealth cannot be the ultimate goal and greatest good in our lives. Only God can take that place. Fairness and occasional generosity in business can win friends. That shrewd manager knew what he's doing and his master even congratulated him for it. He can gain us friends and, and gain the respect of others. Avoiding being exploitive is a good investment in relationships and in the health of our society. The extreme opposite of exploitation, 
the act of forgiving debt, wow, is rarely heard of or promoted as a strategy in the business of profit gains. It's not a strategy, not an international strategy in relationships between countries unless there's some other deal being done. We'll forgive your your debts if you'll just allow us to perhaps build a military base on your Pacific island. Or perhaps you can give us the fishing rights to the seas around your islands. Yes, we'll help you with your debt. Thankfully, forgiving debt is the grace strategy of our loving Lord. It's the love currency of the kingdom of God by which we've all benefited. We were in great debt. Great debt. It was going to cost us our lives. But God took that debt upon himself, upon his son. And we have all benefited by the righteousness that he's traded us. This is the same life-giving strategy that God calls us to invest our resources, our lives and time in as his followers. The good of the other. Not just the extra money that we can keep in our pocket because we're saved $2 on the packet of coffee that we've bought. God calls us to invest our resources and, his, and time as his followers, as ethical, forgiving, loving, fair-trading people. And we pray, Lord, forgive us our debts as we, forgive us, as we forgive our debtors and guide us as we strive to show mercy and deal justly and fairly in our trading and our living at peace with others. Amen. And the peace of the Lord that surpasses all human understanding. Keep our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus, the Prince of Peace. Amen.